Ken Robinson. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Marshall. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. And hello to the listeners today. We have Ken Robinson from our Modus partner with us today, and I'll give him room to introduce himself. But first, I'd like to introduce myself. I am Marshall Klippenstein. I'm the vice president of our value experience group at SAP Concur. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Ken on the topic of mileage. It seems like a no-brainer in a lot of ways, but we know that it's a pressing concern or there's a lot of questions around kind of what's next when it comes to employee mobility. So Ken, you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. I'm Ken Robinson, the manager of market research for Modus. That basically means that I spend a lot of time researching trends and, and different cost influencers that affect all types of mobility expense. And Modus is a, a huge partner for us in terms of employee expense management. So we're just, again, thank you for, for being with me here today. We'll kind of kick things off. First of all, you mentioned just before we started recording that you're from Milwaukee and, and that the, the sun is shining for you today, which is great. We're on the precipice of summer, which is awesome. And of course, employees are going to get out and start moving around. We've got a, a world that's opening up, right? So we'll just first kind of launch into like, what's your perspective of the mobile workforce and what is the personal car mileage or the vehicle transportation environment kind of looking like right now well so overall mileage levels have have gradually been increasing and i would expect that especially over the next say one to one and a half quarters we're going to see a you know an additional surge in, in terms of the you know, the number of miles that people are driving, you know, both for business purposes and for personal purposes. You know, one of the things that is really the, the perspective inside and, and really outside of Modus is that we have to really think about the rise of the work anywhere lifestyle. So if you think about, obviously, we're all familiar with working from home and, and a decentralized approach to work, but the way that we do business has changed in a way that I don't think is ever going to revert back to the way that things were, say, a, a little more than a year ago, you know, because it's unlikely that people are headed back to the office. And that's what different experts inside of commercial real estate would tell you also is that, you know, it's not that we're going to get rid of the office, okay, but it's that now that we have have found ways to work effectively in a remote environment, in my mind, it's a split of maybe I'm going to spend some time in the office, but I'm probably also going to be spending time remotely. And that might mean working at the home office, but it might also mean that I'm going to be working out of the car, going to see customers, right? You know, I think that, that we're going to see more of that work without boundaries approach to the way that people operate. And, and so, you know, it sure seems likely that business mileage is going to increase, you know, not just over the suppressed levels that we've seen over the past 12 months, but I think that, you know, going forward, that business mileage almost, it has to increase, you know, and, and especially in the short term when air travel for business purposes, you know, might take a little longer to recover. It, it also seems like the car is a real natural you know, opportunity to get out and, and make those business trips, right? Right, which is going to introduce, again, it goes back to, you know, the mobile workforce. People are going to want to, I mean, let's be honest, people are going to want to get out of their homes. Like us having this dialogue over a podcast, it's probably much more fun to be sitting across from each other in a room with a microphone and having it there, right? Like people are going to want to do that. So I think our employee base 
our customers should be seeing employees raising their hands most likely to say, hey, you know what, I want to get out. I feel safe. I want to go, you know, see a customer. I want to go do this. I need to do business on behalf of this organization. I want to make things happen. I want to generate revenue. I want to be part of the solution. And I think our customers are going to have to be ready for that return. But here's the thing, though, I, I saw the other day, I think for 21, right, IRS changed some mileage reimbursement rates and, you know, companies are having to pivot quickly to different mobile options. Maybe some are going more personal car than they're going fleet or whatever. So I think the IRS reduced the rate, right? Wasn't it like down, it dropped a penny or something for the U.S. market? I think it was like 56 cents a mile or something, you know, it changed. Right. I know that. Right. But the thing is, is like, Why? Why would the IRS say, okay, sorry, you're coming out of a pandemic and, and this would be our primary mode of transportation for you. We know that air carriers are not going to be your primary choice potentially. Why would the IRS or what's the situation behind the mileage reimbursement rates and what are what do our customers need to consider with that? It's a very deep ranging topic, Michelle. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> so what I will say is that the, so the rate went down and, and it's because the IRS mileage standard is, uh, it's really based on the prior year versus what you see happening out, you know, and, and so if you think about all the different driving costs, for example, one that we're all super familiar with is, is gas prices, right? And, and gas prices, are they ever the same between stops at a fuel station? Probably not. And so what I would say is that it, it can be a little bit of a headache depending on how accurate a company wants to be when you stick to that you know to that standardized one size fits all rate because again it's based on last year so last year gas prices were very depressed just like almost everything else in the economy things were way out of whack uh with fuel prices and so now people are employees when they receive that that per mile reimbursement it's not really reflecting their actual costs. It's reflecting, you know, the prior year's costs. Okay. So, okay. So let's dive into that a little bit more. I'm sure everyone's thinking, well, yeah, I'm not getting reimbursed enough to cover the cost of my car or my insurance. So how would anybody on the finance side of a business respond back to an employee that says, you're not even covering the cost of my car. Give me a car or give me an allowance or, you know, like what's the balance there or how should our customers jointly respond to their employee base on that? Well, I think that it's a fair question for employees to raise. And and what I think is is an important, maybe introspective moment for employers is to think about the way that they're doing things. And if you think about kind of the, the landscape, I think that more than a few departments inside of every business are probably taking, you know, have been taking time and are taking time to think about how they might want to do things better going forward. And so it's a good time to look at different options for vehicle programs too, because that IRS uh, one-size-fits-all mileage standard is not the only option. And so, for example, companies could, they could pay a vehicle allowance, you know, a, a fixed stipend essentially, you know, to cover that the driving expense. And the problem is when we're talking about accuracy, that's really not helping either, is it? No. For example, the, the gas price that I pay is going to be very different than the one that, that you pay just because of our, our geography. You know, not to mention the point in time, right? You know, when is the business being done? And so 
that's one of the things that's really interesting about the fixed and variable rate approach or favor as we call it. And it's because there that method uses a more contemporary or, or I guess more current view on all the different cost factors. So especially with gas prices, you know, that favor reimbursement is going to be extremely accurate in terms of what people are paid, you know, for that that fuel portion of their driving costs. And it's not just going to be accurate in terms of where prices are in the market right now. It's also going to be accurate in terms of where you're located. And so that's one of the reasons that favor is an attractive option because, you know, it's super accurate. And it's also, you know, it's a very fair approach. And, and it's actually, strangely enough, inside of the IRS tax regulations, there's information on what it takes to pay a tax-free mileage reimbursement. And, and favor is outlined there is the method that's really optimal, even though a cents per mile approach could be applied and, and people can just log mileage. Right. You bring up a good point. I think I've seen a couple of states that have been or a couple of companies that have been targeted in their state legislation that actually almost like, doesn't it like guide companies to say, hey, you need to look at favor as a dominant reimbursement method or because of like the imbalance, like you're mentioning, like the price of fuel is going to be more expensive in some of the coastal states and or the cost of insurance or doesn't it matter like the size or the type of car the employee has? If we're dependent on the employees to drive their own vehicles to do business on behalf of us, don't we need to consider like that as a, like to your point, it's a non-taxable reimbursement for them using their own asset. Isn't there like regulation that goes along with this to your point with the IRS tax code? Yes, there there is is really a slew of of rules and regulations that, you know, that, that need to be navigated. And that's um that's one of the things that that Modus has done a great job of simplifying through technology is to create a compliant solution. And I would say is is one of the reasons that we're partners, right? Is that you know our combined solution is the best of both worlds. Right. The other upside of favor is that it's not just fair and accurate. I guess accuracy also leads the way towards I would say really effective cost control. Right. Um, you know, because it's because you don't want to overpay or underpay. And that's, I guess, one of the weaknesses of using that one size fits all approach of, say, 56 cents a mile is that if you and I both drive, say, uh, 6,000 business miles a year and, you know, and we're in our areas, say we have sales territories and, and we're driving our two territories. At the end of the day, we're going to get about the same amount of reimbursement, you know, paid to us. But if my costs, for example, um, you know, for insurance and taxes and registration, you know, and, and fuel and, you know, maintenance, everything that, it, that goes into the cost of driving, not to mention the car itself, you know, if that stuff is all scaled at a lower cost of living where I am and a higher cost of living where you are, we're creating sort of winners and losers, right? Because right. if we're being, this, being paid the same amount, there's a good chance that, I'm being paid more with that flat rate than I actually need to cover my business mileage. And you might be getting paid less. It's not a great approach. And so if, you know, if there's a way that's not too painful, that can help e even the scale out so that we're each paid effectively, it's probably the best answer for everyone. You know, that's the thing is that it's a cost of doing business. And sometimes people view these things as a perk. That's true. They do. They think, oh, okay, well, I'm going to drive here and there and I'll get paid more than it costs me to drive there. But really, 
they're not thinking about it kind of in the larger, like the bucket of money that goes into mobilizing the workforce. So that actually brings me back. You, you mentioned it earlier. You talked about kind of governing spend and, you know, it being probably a significant dollar amount for a lot of our customers, right? So I'm just curious off the top of your head, like, do you have an idea of like the average or the norm as a percentage of total expense activity that mileage really does kind of, is it like 5%? Is it 10% of someone's program? Or is it kind of a all over the board? I think it varies because of the nature of people's businesses, right? So if you have a more of a hard goods type of business and you have a lot of merchandisers, for example, that can be a, a very large cohort of people that are driving for business that can kind of shift the scales. I would say that actually a study that Concur did a couple of years ago, sites business mileage is a top time expense category for a large number of industries. Yeah. You know, if you're in the top 10, it probably deserves some scrutiny. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Yes. So in the value experience group, when we are working with customers, we do see mileage hit the top of the list nine times out of 10, right? And often I think the customers we're talking to do not have, like they could talk to us all day about how they curb airfare expenses and their tactics with that and their suppliers and then hotel and they negotiate everything. But never have, well, not never have I ever, but most of the time I've not heard a program manager come to us and say, this is how I need to curb or manage this category, which is mileage. And I think that given this, like you mentioned, the trajectory of where we're at, you're right. This is a really great time for our programs or our customers to look at this piece of their program and say, what's best? So question for you on that front. I mean, are you seeing customers drive or move towards fleet vehicles or, you know, kind of getting out of the business of personal car and maybe moving towards fleets? What's the temperament or the sentiment in the market on that? We see a lot of companies looking at kind of getting out of the the company car business or, okay. or the program. Um, and a big part of that is that, well, it kind of relates back to COVID in that, especially during that initial couple months where all, you know, all public activity was really flat, those businesses were paying for the cars. And, and so we've got this idle asset that's sitting there, you know, so they might be saving on some of the consumable costs, like, like their fuel, but at the same time, you know, that, that asset owned by the company is sitting there. It's not helping, you know, them do anything. And then because the vehicles oftentimes are being, you know, weren't even being driven for several months, now they incur additional maintenance costs. And so, there are two ways to look at the aspect of, you know, a fleet vehicle versus a personal vehicle for business. And with the fleet vehicle, the company is always going to pay more because they're, you know, even with the mechanisms that are in place to um, offset aspects of personal use, there's always some personal use that seems to get through. I was going to ask and, about that. <laughs> right. Whereas a personal vehicle, the philosophy there is that People are being reimbursed for the amount of that asset that's being used up for a specific business activity. And, you know, and then depending on how granular you want to approach that, you know, that that kind of guides companies' approaches. But then there are other things to think about that happen in terms of, say, employee satisfaction. Because if I'm getting a company car, I, you know, I probably don't have a huge variance in terms of choices of what type of vehicle I'm getting. And you know, that type of vehicle might be perfect for my company to have me take clients out to lunch, for example. But 
when it comes to uh, my whole life, right? And 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 so that's another thing that I was thinking about the other day, actually, is that the lines between work and life were blurry. So blurry. It's so blurry. I've got a teenager. I know. <laughs> yeah. And and so now, for example, it's probably 10 times more blurry or, you know, like something like that. And And so, for example, if you don't have a vehicle that's going to work with your lifestyle, right, you don't want to be out driving around in your company car doing your business, you know, and then maybe you need to pick the kids up, go to soccer practice and, and where do you put all the gear, you know? And, and so if it's a sedan, you might be running out of room really quickly and you might need that SUV or whatever it takes to, you know, to manage your, your life along with your business. And so that's where this aspect of personal choice comes in. And I think that that's another, you know, it's another upside that people get, right? They, you know, they have the freedom to choose that vehicle that's going to, uh, going to best mesh with their lifestyle and then still be barely reimbursed for, you know, their business expense portion of that as they deal with the business portion of their life. Right. Well, and that's what you said earlier, like in the beginning of even, you know, our time together, you said it's the rise of work from anywhere, right? And so that applies to the type of vehicle that people need to drive. Like I said, I have a teenager, but he's almost 17, so I don't have to drive him anymore. If I look back, it, you know, 10 years, I would have had the soccer gear. I would have had carpooling responsibilities. I would have had all that, right? And now if I was locked into a fleet program, you know, with a car that didn't serve me, you know, serve that lifestyle, I would have had to drive home get my other car, go, you know, back to elementary school, pick up, whatever. Like, it's just, that would have been just a pain. I think our customers look at their employees and they think, okay, how do we, because employee experience is huge. I mean, down to tracking mileage. Like we know that there's a specific way in which that all has to be documented. And we know technology enables that. But at the same time, like, what is that? That means like such a relief to the employee, right? They don't have to be the ones to have to track that. The technology serves up all of the appropriate reimbursement and manages it for them. Like that's the part that we also need to make sure we're balancing to your, to your point. Like the financial aspect is important. There's a lot of dollars. You're, like you said, it's probably the top 10 expense category in most people's programs. But at the same time, you got this balance of employees. You need them to be doing the job. You need them to be driving without being on their mobile device trying to enter in their miles. Like think about the safety risks that go with things like that, right? I don't know, is that, is that a conversation you've had with some customers around safety risk? If, if, the, if the technology just enables the tracking, do we have you know a safety win on that front? Absolutely. So there's a productivity issue too that, that creeps in here, Marcel. So you know, we've looked at some of this in, in terms of trying to quantify what the value of having a, a set it and forget it approach to, to mileage, you know, versus having someone really try and rationalize their mileage as they fill out their expense report and then type a number in. The value there, and particularly when you're talking about the documentation or substantiation requirements that are outlined in the IRS tax code, you know, I would say, uh, I can make it really short, actually. It's about 21 hours a year that are saved per employee. 21 if, hours? Right. So wow. right. So someone that that would drive that I would say is a, a frequent business driver, right? So someone that probably drives at least 5,000 business miles a year, that's going to equate to at least 21 hours of manual log time either in a spreadsheet or in your notebook or you know in in some, you know, kind of clunky app where you're doing, you know, a, a half measure and 
it, it's a huge productivity gain. But then also, I can't help but think like, does that actually bring another company or like another outcome to the table, which would be almost like, I mean, if, if an employee gets lost or something happens to the employee driving or that, you know, there's the GPS component, but also, so we would know where the employee was, but then also, um, what about like any sort of insurance or further financial loss to an organization? Any scenarios to consider consider there that MODIS as a technology could help, you know, prevent or support to companies, you know, mobility policy around? Yes, we take driver safety very seriously. And, and I've done different, different work and, and I'm up to speed on some of the latest studies um, just about the impacts of vehicle accidents. So one of the things that really, I guess, the business leaders don't think about necessarily is that anytime, whether an accident happens during work hours or not during work hours, that's going to affect productivity across their teams, right? Even if there's no injury involved, if someone has to go to traffic court and take time off of work, then, you know, productivity is is being affected there. And so that time can add up pretty significantly, you know, and, and obviously safety is just good safe driving is is important too, right? Nobody wants anybody else to get hurt. And, you know, there's there's those two elements of it. And like I said, it's it's highly preventable. And and sometimes um what I found is that it's a high priority, but it's not always a high enough priority to to take action, right? And make driver safety a real, you know, a real um, front and center priority for people that are driving for business. Even, gosh, yesterday I w- was reading about the challenge that faces businesses between how engaged do you want your employees to be while they're on the road? You know, some companies are taking a stance where they want employees to be able to uh, participate in, in at least conference calls and, and other types of, you know, sort of uh, like half attention business activity. And so they think that's super important. And and so they won't implement a policy that's like bone off while you're driving. Well, I guess, you know, some companies have, you know, they'll require car, you know, like a, like a car mode on the phone or you know, things like that. But then when it gets back to, uh, you know, just to that, that infotainment system in the car, it's something that people are thinking about, but they haven't totally resolved yet, you know, because people can be looking at, looking at their navigation or adjusting the environmental controls of the car. And, you know, it's, it's all those different things, but you know, the other challenge is that people don't all have the same, you know, risky driving, like profile of behaviors. And so it seems to the, the modus perspective is that the best approach is an individualized approach, you know, to assess each person's strengths and weaknesses and then help them improve on their weaknesses. And, and so that's kind of our, you know, our approach to making drivers safer. <laughs> no, I like that. I mean, I, I think most wouldn't necessarily correlate mileage reimbursement to driver safety, but I think through the technology and through you know, just really looking at it holistically, it's more than just a mileage reimbursement program. It is actually a mobile workforce system, right? Or support for them. And mileage tracking or, you know, that reimbursement element is just a piece of it. I think our customers need to know that it's a chunky piece of their program that they have to make sure that they're looking at like the next version of this. 
given us coming out of this pandemic, getting, you know, airfare, if I could drive, I, I live in Washington, like we were talking about earlier. And if I could drive to Oregon to meet a customer, I'm going to do that probably then get on a plane. I'm going to drive at least minimums, you know, or max would be maybe like three and a half hour drive. I'm fine with that. I'd rather do that than go to the, take an airplane because me going to the airport plus getting on the plane plus departing or, you know, arriving and dealing with all of my luggage, like that's still three and a half plus hours there. So I'm going to weigh those benefits. I'm going to choose to drive probably. So our customers have to think of like, what's next, which, you know, it's the opportune time. I, I don't know. I've, I think I've had this discussion with a couple of my team members and, you know, thinking about like what kind of what's the market pressure. Everybody's in this readdressed stage right now. And I think mileage is just one piece of that that needs to be relooked at, right? Yeah, totally agree. It's well, and especially because I think it's important that people think about that assessment now because, you know, otherwise, you know, there's this risk that that the spend is going to grow kind of, you know, underneath that top level visibility because people aren't looking for it. If you're going to allow people to expense their whole bill and it's something that's a mixed use asset, then you're overpaying at the end of the day as, you know, as a financial team. So the problem is that this is short-term thinking, right? Every, everyone, you know, to generalize, of course, you know, people were thinking that they were going to lock down for five weeks and then get back out. And so they put all these short-term measures in place that I'm very confident persist. And so, you know, that's the thing is that, it especially gets washed out when you think about how T and E is as a you know if, if somebody's looking at T and E on a balance sheet or or you know business travel, there's you know those expenses are hiding under that plunge in business travel expenses from last year, and so now as we you know start layering it back in, costs are going to go up because you know until someone does something about some sort of approach to you know to resolve the, that expensing of the whole bill it's new behavior. It's new expectations that the employees now have that, you know, the reimbursement factor is going to just always be there. Or, I mean, it's just overall, it's just policy uh, reset or program design with, you know, for specific outcome, specific budgetary control. Like it, our customers are going to have to come back into that fold. They can't just now expect that, okay, well, we're going to grant home office, you know, <laughs> everything. <laughs> it, it's going to change. And so I, I agree with you on that front. I think that the mileage topic is a huge piece of that. And I really appreciate your perspective on this, Ken. You're clearly an expert. And I know our customers obviously look at this and are trying to figure, you know, figure all these pieces out. And the partnership with Modus uh, is extremely valuable. I, I know that. Well, Ken, thank you again for your time. And hopefully the listeners got kind of a sense of the well-roundedness of this topic. I think it's a top expense line item. There's a lot of money involved. And there's a lot of employee experience to consider. The world is opening back up and, um, and Concur and Modus are here to support our customers. Thank you. Thank you, Marshall. You're welcome.